Well, good morning. Like I said earlier, we are so incredibly excited that each and every one of y'all are here with us, whether you're here with us in person or checking us out online, as we dive into part three of this four-part series that we're calling Overflow. And this series is an opportunity for us to address this tension that exists in every single one of our lives as humanity. But to address this tension in such a way that if we were to begin looking at this tension just a little bit differently than what we presently are, that maybe just maybe it could unlock the potential for us to realize and reach some of our deepest desires. You see, what I know and believe with all of my heart is that every single one of us in our time here on this earth have overflow. Regardless of who you are, where you find yourself in life, how young or old you are, what socioeconomic status you find yourself in, every single one of us have overflow in our lives. There is overflow that exists within our time, overflow that exists within our finances. And while each of us, the degree of that overflow varies from person to person, the reality and truth that we can't deny is that we all possess some sort of overflow. And in light of that truth, this is where the tension that we all share exists. Is that each and every day of our lives, we get to choose how we use that overflow. And when we look close enough and get honest enough, what we come to find is this. Is that the choices we make in response to the overflow in our lives ultimately dictate the direction of our future. The choices we make with the overflow of our lives ultimately decide the impact we'll have on our world. And yet throughout this series, we had this creative idea. What if we began to address the tension that exists in all of our lives, this tension of how we choose to use our overflow every single day through the lens of our deepest desires? Then maybe, just maybe, by viewing our tension through our deepest desires, it would unlock something for our futures. And so a couple weeks ago, we started down that path. And we began to address these common desires that all of us share as humanity. And the first and maybe the biggest one that so many of us possess is this, is that we all want to live a life of significance. Am I right? There is no one in this room who has said, man, I wish that, that my life was less than. I wish that I was making less of a difference and my life mattered a whole lot less than what it presently does. We all have, have this desire to live a life of significance. And what we began to discover two weeks ago is this, is that the way in which we accomplish that desire in our life is through understanding that our greatest significance is found in our legacy the things that outlast our life and our time here on earth. And yet the issue that arises is this, is that for so many of us, we've lived enough time on this earth to know that the world will feed us what they believe creates the greatest legacy. And according to what they have to say, our great legacy is dependent upon what we do for ourselves or what we leave for others in the form of an inheritance, in the form of a business, in the form of the last name that you're building for yourself. And yet when we look close enough, what we'll come to find is this, is that that kind of legacy may impact one, two, or three people. It may ripple into the next generation, but that's about where it stops. But a legacy that's built on something bigger than that, 
becomes immeasurable. A legacy that's not built on what we do for ourselves or what we leave for others, but in turn is actually built on what we do for others and what we leave in others is a legacy that not only carries great significance, but is a legacy that can't be measured. Because it ripples from generation to generation and spreads throughout our world like wildfire. And then last week, we continued by addressing this other tension, or this other desire in our lives. This desire for us to have more blessing in our lives. And I'm not just talking about monetary blessing. You see, deep inside of all of us, we just want more of the good stuff in our lives. Am I right? Things like more peace, more joy, more contentment, more margin in our lives. And yet, we ask the question, how in the world do I live a more blessed life? And we began to ask the question, could it be possible that the life we desire of more of these sorts of blessings is actually found in what we give, not in what we accumulate? This upside-down way of thinking that 2,000 years ago, this guy that many of us claim to follow introduced into our world that was so countercultural, that didn't make sense at face value, that didn't make sense according to the world's standards, and yet when it was actually lived out, began to change people at a remarkable pace. Began to do something in our own hearts when we gave of ourselves instead of playing the accumulation game until the day we die. Could it be possible that it's actually more blessed to give than to receive? Today, we find ourselves pivoting as we address this third desire, and this pivot is something that I'm sure is a welcome change for many of you. Because as we make this pivot to this third desire, we shift off of our focus of our overflow and our finances, and we begin to take a look at the overflow that we all possess within our time. Regardless of if that's 10 minutes a day, four hours a day of overflow in free time, spare time, whatever you may call it, that every single one of us have overflow when it comes to our time. And yet the reality for many of us is this. We have this desire that resonates deep within our hearts that somehow correlates really with desire number one, this desire for significance. Our desire is this, that we want our time to matter. Am I right? We want the way in which we spend our time to be known for making a difference. We want how we spend our time to count for something. It's the reason why as we move through life, we make choices like changing jobs or picking up new hobbies. Because the old job or the old hobbies or the lack of hobbies that we had we felt as if those things weren't making the difference that we wanted them to make. We were lacking fulfillment in those places, and so we rearranged how we were using our time to use it in a different way. And when it comes to us wanting our time to matter, our time to count for making the world better and making things around us different in a good way, there's good news that comes along with this desire, and it's this. Is that the only equal currency on earth is time. Do you realize that? No matter who you are, how rich or poor you are, young or old you are, we are all afforded an equal amount of time. No matter who you are, 
you will always get 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year. It doesn't matter how powerful you are, how much money you accumulate, what you do for a job, you will be afforded the exact same amount as the person next to you. And as we find ourselves on equal footing in this one area of life in what we've been given, here's the second truth that arises. While all of us are given the exact same amount of time in an hour, a day, a year, as we look from person to person, the difference being made by person with that amount of time varies significantly. Am I right? That not all of us are making the exact same impact with the same amount of time that we've been afforded. Why? Well, because of the great tension that exists. We all get to choose how we use our time. Every single day, we get a choice in how we choose to use our time. And specifically, the overflow of our time that isn't spent at your job or sleeping or eating or sitting on the toilet, for that matter. We get a choice when it comes to all of the overflow of our time every single day. But while that difference varies from person to person... If you're anything like me, where I find myself slowly slipping back into is this mindset. That I would be capable of making more of a difference if I just had a little bit more time. Anybody been there before? That if there was just more time in my day, then I would be capable of using that extra margin that I was afforded to use that time to make a difference. And yet falling back into that mindset allows us to fall back on an impossibility. Because here's the truth deep down that we all know, right? Time will never be found. More time will never be found. Unfortunately, you will never discover a 25th or a 26th hour to your day. There is no magic word that gives you more time, that gives you more margin. That if you truly want to adjust the difference that your life is making with your time, it must be made. You must make the choice to make time for the things that are most important, to make time for the ways in which you can use your time to make a difference with your life. And what's so cool about this concept is this, is that while we get an opportunity to choose to make time, it reflects back on the love of our creator. You see, the reason why we get a choice and this tension exists with all life that every day we get to choose what we do with our overflow is because we have a creator and a God who loved us enough that when he created you and I, he gave us free will. He didn't want to force us to make the right choice. He didn't want to force you to love him. He wanted you to have the freedom to make your own choices, to be able to make the choice of how you use the overflow of your finances, how you use the overflow of your time to make the greatest impact possible with your life. And some 2,000 years ago, a guy by the name of Paul that we talk about so often around here put out this challenge to you and I that still reverberates 2,000 years later in our lives and in our stories. And the challenge was this. What would it look like 
for you to reassess the way in which you use that freedom that you have. The freedom of choice with your overflow to begin to use it in a different and maybe unlikely by the world's standards way. And Paul gives us this challenge to reassess the way in which we use our time and his letter to the church, a church just like us in the city of Galatia. You see, this is what he writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Paul's saying you've been given this incredible gift of free will to live in freedom with the choices of your life, but it's almost as if he poses this question. But how are you using that freedom? Every single day, how do you choose to use that freedom? Are you using that freedom to make a difference? And you see, what I'm willing to bet is that this one question would strike right to the heart of so many of us. How many of you all hope and dream that you were made to make a difference? That you were created for more? And yet what you'd be forced to admit is that with your life, with your time, you just keep settling for less. You have this desire for more, to make an impact, and yet every single day it just feels like you keep falling short of that desire. Every day it feels like you keep settling for less. But what if that more that we were after required us to begin to assess our time through a different lens? You see, what I have to admit to you is this is that while I claim to be a Jesus follower, I can also recognize when I get serious and honest that I don't always assess my time through the lens that Jesus laid down some 2,000 years ago. I don't always look at my time through the lens that Jesus created for you and I to not rob us of fun, y'all. If I could say this every single weekend, I could, because this is the common misconception of God. That he gives us instructions to somehow make our life less than. Y'all, that couldn't be further from the truth. We have a God who gives us instructions because he created us. He formed this world from nothing. He knows the key ingredients to live a rich and satisfying life. To have life on this side of death to the full. Our God knows that. That's why he gives us instructions. Not because he wants to take something, because we have a generous God that wants to keep giving and giving and giving you more and more and more, better and better and better for your life. And 2,000 years ago, he said, I want to readjust the lens through which you view your time. And this is the way he chose we find it in Matthew's account of Jesus' life. Starting in chapter 25, Jesus, or starting in chapter 20, sorry, Jesus says this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
See, as Jesus is talking to his followers, he essentially sets this picture in their mind. When you look at the rulers and the leaders and the powerful people of your world, here is how they operate. They expect the people around them to serve them. That is the standard by which greatness is defined in this world. They make their entire life about them and expect the people around them to make their lives about them as well. But then Jesus says this, not so with you. This is the message you're getting about what greatness looks like by the world's standards. Not so with you. I want better for you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's as if Jesus is making it abundantly clear. You want to be great? Become a servant. And I've lived on this earth for long enough to recognize that when I hear something like that, something deep inside of me screams, what? Are you kidding me? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't seem fun. And yet the reality that that we come to is this, is that while that doesn't make sense, this defining question that unlocks greatness is something that Jesus is presenting to you and I as a choice we get to make with our time every single day. Ben Carver, you want to be great? When is the last time you have used your time as a ransom for the betterment of somebody else? You want to have a better life? It exists in this one question. When is the last time you have used your time as a ransom for the betterment of anybody but you? It's as if Jesus is laying out this truth loud and clear. You want temporary happiness? Serve yourself. But if you want lasting fulfillment, serve someone else. If you want temporary happiness, do as the world does. Serve yourself. But if you want a fulfillment that the world has not experienced, that the world just keeps grappling for thinking accumulation is the answer to that, if you want a fulfillment that is unlike anything else, serve someone else. That's as if Jesus is posing this reality. Could it be possible that using your time for someone other than you actually makes your life better? Could it be possible that spending a little less time on you and a little more time serving someone else makes you the kind of leader that this world desperately needs? Could it be possible that giving less time to you and more time to someone else is what makes you great and makes your time even more valuable? Makes your time count for more? Makes your time matter more? 
As some of you know, just this last weekend, there's a group of 25 high school students who went to an all-weekend retreat called Vertical Reality. Last Sunday on their way back home, one of those students began to share their story in front of a carload of, of guys and their leaders. And this young man began to share this. He said, you know, I've grown up in church pretty much my whole life. And for me, church within my life and even within my family had really just become something where you check the box. It had been diminished to just something you do on Christmas and Easter. If I were being honest, Jesus really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. This whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing really proved to have no benefit for my life. I was just doing it because my parents made me a couple times a year. But then I got invited to Inside Out. And I walked through the doors. And after the very first weekend that I was there, this small group leader that I had and my high school guy's small group texted me. And told me how glad he was that I had showed up. And I thought, oh, that, that's normal. That's pretty common. Like, they just want me to come back. And yet, my small group leader didn't stop. I got a text from him every single week. He called me. He would check in on me when I was going through something in my life. When there were major things happening within my family, somehow he knew about it and would reach out to me and to tell me he was praying for me. And in front of his small group of guys and in front of his leaders, he said this, Jesus never really made sense to me until I saw Jesus through my small group leader. An investment of time by one person, a ransom of time for the betterment of somebody else ultimately changed a story, changed a life. Here's this young man where Jesus didn't mean anything, church wasn't really valuable, a young man that now wants to get baptized and continue to take these next steps with Jesus. Because one person was willing to spend their time not on themselves, but for somebody else. You see, I believe with all of my heart, these steps of faith and courage that don't make sense by the world's standards of sacrificing ourself and our overflow of time for the betterment of somebody else somehow connects with and touches the heart of God, our creator, our heavenly father. And you're like, Ben, why, why do you say that? How do you know that? Because I know my God put on flesh and stepped onto the pages of history 2,000 years ago. And when he did, one day he gathered a group of his followers and he told them this parable. This parable about a, an assessment that would be made on all of us when our time here on earth was finished. And how this assessment would be done. In that very same account of Jesus' life, Matthew, that we read earlier, this is what Jesus says in chapter 25. Come, you who are blessed by my Father... Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. 
Here is your inheritance for the steps that you have taken. All of the things you seek with your life have now been granted to you at the end. Why? He goes on to say, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the million-dollar question. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it our sacrifice of our time, our ransom of our time for the betterment of somebody else touches the heart of our Heavenly Father, impacts the heart of our Heavenly Father. And you see, this reality isn't just a concept on the page or a story that I can tell of some other people. This reality strikes true within my own house. Some of y'all know Krista and I's story, the story of our family. And for those of you who don't, we have two little boys, both of which who have been adopted into our family. Our youngest, Brantley man, his story is full of unbearable abuse and neglect struggles before he walked into the Carver household and became a part of our family. And because of that, maybe what some of you have experienced or seen is that there are things for Brantley that do not come easy. And for Krista and I, we don't know what the future holds. We're just left to assume that there will be struggles that will exist throughout the entirety of his life because of the things that he endured that to most of us are unimaginable before the age of one. And because of that change and, and different structured things are incredibly difficult for Brantley Man. And as we were transitioning into this facility, Brantley just started kindergarten. And around here, what that means is a transition from Little Safari, which is our preschool environment, into Velocity, which is our grade school environment. As kids grow, naturally what happens within our environment is there's more structure, more discussion time, more guided activities, all things that are difficult at some times for Brantley to engage in, to do as a part of a group or even by himself. As we were transitioning into this facility, there's a group of volunteers that stepped forward. And they decided to give of themselves and their time in the midst of, we can admit as parents, something that won't always be easy. And it'll be a struggle. Things are hard for us as parents. But they gave up of their time every week for Brantley to have one-to-one -one attention. 
a volunteer that would go with him as he moved to Velocity Theater and he moved through worship and a large group teaching and then would come back to the class with him and would help him through guided activities and that would be there beside him. And this group of volunteers has been an absolute godsend, not just for us as parents, but for Brantley Man. And they took this step, not just to help Brantley Man, but to also create a more conducive environment for every other child in Brantley's class and to make small group leaders capable of leading to the best of their ability, their small groups in their classroom. And all of them have been absolutely incredible. And yet, let me tell you just about one through the eyes of our Brantley Man. Every week when we come to church, he's excited, wondering if Uncle Ben is going to be his teacher that day. Uncle Ben is his one-to-one, and he's not his uncle. Not by blood, at least. Uncle Ben is a fireman. And now if you ask Brantley what he wants to be when he grows up, he'll tell you, I want to be a fireman. And there's this reality that's shifted in my son because of the ransom of someone else's time that wasn't convenient for them, isn't easy probably on most weeks when they walk in. And yet a ransom of time given up for the betterment of someone else that underlines this truth in my life that I've seen, that I've experienced, that I've witnessed over and over again through countless lives right here at Core Community Church. And it's this reality that you have no idea how God might use one moment to change someone's life. One moment of sacrifice, one moment of adjustment of our overflow to change somebody else's life. And we see this over and over and over again. There's a young woman just a couple months ago that walked in for the very first time. Her story looked like this. She'd been hurt by the church and essentially given up on the church. If that's what the church does, there's no way that I want to be a part of that. There's no way that I'm going back to that. And yet while she had given up on it long ago, she made a decision. I know how this is going to turn out. I know how it's going to go, but we'll give it one more shot. And she walked through the doors of Core Community Church for the very first time. And she said... There was just something different. The way in which when I walked through that door, feeling as if I would be judged, feeling as if I would be less than, holding on to all of this hurt from my past experience, that the way in which I was greeted by the host team and the way in which they made me feel on my very first time in the building. And then I walked into this room and just this reckless abandon through which a group of volunteers on this stage was leading worship. And there was just something that changed in and through me in that very first experience. Here's this young woman who had given up on church and now finds herself serving here because of the investment of somebody to give up of themselves for the betterment of somebody else. But Ben, help me because I I don't even know where to start. I don't even know the practical way to go about making this a reality in my life with my time. 
I mean, we're all going to feel this tension here over the course of the next five weeks, am I right? That it feels like we've got no spare time. There is no margin in our lives to give to anything else. Last week, we introduced this concept I, I told you guys. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized. We talked about this reality that when it comes to our finances and the overflow of that and making adjustments to that, the most practical thing that we can do is start by making a budget. Because that budget is essentially an audit of how we're spending our money and then the ability to make the adjustments to spend our money how we want to or how we know we should. And so that as I was preparing for this week, I was like, crazy idea. Why couldn't a budget work for our time as well? Because if you're anything like me, how often do you consciously sit down and assess how you've used your time over the last day or even over the last week? Probably very rarely, right? We live our lives pretty reactionary. Whatever happens, we adjust to it, we go with it. However many times we need to be a chauffeur for our kids, that's what consumes our lives. And that's just the way that it is. But what would change if we were capable of sitting down and going through this process? If you're a Jesus follower, it starts here. I trust as a Jesus, and I know this is going to sound trivial, y'all, but if you're anything like me, I don't live according to this trivial thought. I trust in following Jesus that Jesus knew what he was talking about. And that if I want to make my life great, better, it requires me to become a servant. And in trusting that Jesus knows what he's talking about, as I assess my time, am I spending any of my time to serve somebody else? Or, second step, am I spending enough of my time to serve someone else that actually reflects that I'm following Jesus. A budget of our time allows us to see where we're spending our time and then make the necessary adjustments to spend our time where we want it. And if we answer the question, no, I'm not really spending any of my time serving anybody else outside of the four walls of my household. And don't hear me wrongly on that. That's important and that's great, but I think God continually calls us to a beyond too. But if the answer is no, then we get to ask the follow-up question. How much time do I feel like is appropriate for me to be serving somebody else? For me to be living out this upside-down way of doing life? An hour a week? An hour a month? 30 minutes a month? We get to make those adjustments to the way in which we spend our time to make our time count. But maybe you walked into this room and you're like, Ben, I'm not a Jesus follower. I'm still skeptical about this whole church thing. I get it. And I think what none of us can deny is this. We can't deny that serving other people makes the world a better place. Am I right? And so if you're not a Jesus follower, but you still want to make the world a better place, all of what I just talked about applies. It can apply directly to your circumstances, directly to your life. But if you are a Jesus follower, I have to circle back. This concept, hang on, y'all, is non-negotiable. 
if we really are following Jesus, this is not an optional concept for our life. Jesus makes it clear. If you are following me, you must serve others the way I came not to be served, but to be a servant of all. If you're following me, it means you're following my example, doing as I do. Now, before we finish, let me address one more thing. There are some of you who are sitting there and the thoughts firing across your brain are this. Yeah, but Ben, if you knew my history, you wouldn't be saying this to me. Because my past and my life is broken. And God doesn't use broken people. Can I just say this, speak this into your life for whatever it's worth? Your past has no right to define you. God defines you, and when he sent his son to this earth, this is what his son said about you. That if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, unchained from any of that past. That God doesn't want to use you, isn't capable of using you in spite of your brokenness. That he uses you oftentimes because of your brokenness to do incredible things in this world, for this world, to impact this world. That you have to stop letting the enemy feed you his lies for one more day. You are capable of making a difference. You are capable of being used. That even you, when all you see is brokenness, you have no idea how God might use one moment to change someone's life. You see, we're all given an equal amount of time, every hour, every day, every year. And we get to decide how much of a difference we'll make with that time we've been given. The problem is we have to shift our mindset because we will never find more time. We have to make it. Make time for the things that matter most. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, become a servant. Make your time matter. Make your time. And the overflow of that time count for something more than just you. Would you pray with me? Father, more than anything, God, we thank you for giving up what was most precious to you in sending your son not to be served, not to be a king by this world's standards, but to give up his life as a ransom for me. For each of us individually. We thank you that your son came and did the ultimate act of leadership he went first. He modeled it for us. He gave up what was due to him, his rightful place on the throne. 
to come, put on flesh, and serve us as humanity. But God, as we look at that example, that model that he set, man, almost every single week we pray for this one thing, courage. Not only does it take courage for us to just assess our time, to audit our time, but then we have to take the next step, the next courageous move of then adjusting the way in which we use our time, making time for what's most important. So God, this morning, I pray for all of us. I pray for myself that we will be courageous enough to first look at the way in which we use our time to ask the question, am I giving up any of my time for the betterment of someone else? And if the answer is no, or if the answer is not enough to really signify that I'm following Jesus, for us to take that next courageous step of making the appropriate adjustments to use our overflow, to experience a greater life, not just for ourselves, but also for our world. It's in your name that we